welcome to the How the Deal Was Done podcast. This show will feature fast-paced interviews with top sellers. We will hear the hard-earned stories, the challenges, and the learnings they picked up from their biggest and most memorable deals. We hope this podcast will give you a bit of inspiration and understanding for how big deals get done, deals that positively impact your customers, your company, and level up your career as a seller. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. It's Andrew Capel, host of the podcast. Quick note before the episode begins, I have an exciting announcement, and I'd like to share a big thank you to all of the listeners and supporters of the podcast so far. So the announcement is that we now have a sponsor, OrgChartHub, an app that allows sales teams to easily build and store custom org charts directly in HubSpot, is the sponsor of the podcast. Visual selling, it's one of my favorite things, and OrgChartHub I've been a customer myself. It is a must-have for any sales team who use HubSpot and sell complex deals. Uh, Much more to come soon. For now, check out OrgChartHub on LinkedIn and mention the podcast. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, everyone, to How the Deal Was Done, the Seller's Journey podcast. Really excited to be joined here today by Evan Kelsey. Evan has had some amazing deal stories. He's been featured on Scott Ingram's Top One uh, Sales Success Stories podcast and been a featured speaker there. Had an amazing run at Seismic. And he's going to talk to us today about a massive, massive deal uh, that he worked on while at Seismic. Uh, Really looking forward to hearing about that. And welcome, Evan. Thanks, Andrew. Happy to be here. Great. Well, uh, we'd love to hear a bit about your your background and uh, then we can talk about the deal. Sure. Born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Went to Purdue. Worked. Uh, my first job was actually uh, running a, a state senate race for the 06 elections. I decided I didn't want to do that. Moved to New York. Got a job with basically uh, a company that was Glassdoor before Glassdoor called Vault. And they started their, their first office in Asia. I went over there in Hong Kong for a couple of years. Came back. Got on with a, a small little company called LinkedIn for about six years and then transitioned over to Seismic for the last five years and recently transitioned from from Seismic to a company called Galileo in the AI ML infrastructure space. Wow. So the journey the journey continues. That that's great. Um, so the the deal that we're gonna talk about today, Evan, could you set that up for us? Sure. This was uh, the the first year that I was at Seismic back in 2018. And this was a, a, cust- a customer that had bought a small install of, of Seismic software uh, in, a, in a small business unit within a very, very, very large company. And so I inherited that account. Luckily, it was a very happy account. And I, I had looked at my entire you know, territory and decided that this, this account and the kind of situation that it was in was was fertile ground for a potential you know big deal if if kind of the planets aligned sometime in the future. So I made it a, a top priority to to start working. Great. And in terms of how the the deal got started, you know, there was a a small footprint. How did you or was it was it one thing that made you realize was it just the logo itself that this could become a huge deal? Um, had you had any conversations at the the lower levels? Like, what was it? What was the aha moment that uh, you realized that this had amazing potential? 
It was really when I delved into the financial research in the company and what what the how the how the company was telling Wall Street and investors that it was it was planning on growing, and what what the kind of criticism from Wall Street and investors were about the company. And essentially, the company had not been doing had not made its number to Wall Street for the previous five years before that. And what they were telling wow. you know what they were telling Wall Street is we've got great, you know, still have great growth plans. We're investing heavily in different innovation areas and, you know, it's, it's grow, it's grow time. And the, the criticism from wall street was kind of resoundingly that the, the, the technology that the company, you know, the kind of the suite of technology that the company had was pretty, pretty awesome, like pretty good as compared to its competitors, but the, the, the revenue just wasn't there. And they were, you know, they were continuously kind of disappointed that the revenue, like the revenue didn't match the quality of the technology. And so being in a space that Seismic is where we're selling, we, that, that company sells sales technology, ways to kind of help your sellers sell better. It, it seemed like a, a, a great, you know, executive level narrative that you could create a, that, that clearly there was, there was some stated need uh, to be able to do. And whenever, whenever you can find these outside forces that are either, you know, pointing out different pains of the company in a credible way and that your solution aligns to, and whenever you can see very viscerally that, that the executives at that company have, you know, have their, their kind of pillars, pillared goals for the year and that yours directly aligns to one of them, you know, that's a, it's just an, an amazing mix of, you know, luck that you can have. To, to then, you know, start a, a real sales cycle yeah. and kind of prioritize that account. Nice. It's it's almost uh, third-party third party validation, not so much about your product, but third-party validation about the pain points or the challenges that they have, um, which is more important than your product. 100%. Yeah. If it, if it solves, and the reality is that, you know, mega deals get done even if you're only solving kind of one executive level challenge. But it's uh, it's you know doing the research and doing the due diligence to uncover that you know that signature challenge. That's that's where a lot of the well a lot of the in, initial magic is created. <laughs> sure, sure. So you you did uh, you did did your research. Um, where and how did you um, get connected to a, a champion or a, a real mobilizer? So unbeknownst to me, the previous year the CMO and the CFO had gotten together at this company and they, uh, they both agreed that, you know, revenue growth, it, it needed to be a top priority. And there was, there was kind of something missing within their, their company, which was kind of a centralized enablement function for the sales team. And so they, they had recently named that person, but hadn't publicly announced it. Wow. And that person had started to amass her team. Yep. And so as, I, as me and my team were doing our outreach, yep. uh, we luckily kind of uncovered and landed into this person's, you know, right hand in terms of our cold outreach. And it was, it was you know, for, like incredibly fortuitous timing because he hadn't, he hadn't changed his LinkedIn profile. He had, you know, nothing, she hadn't changed hers, like nothing had been announced, but, you know, we were hitting them up at the right time. And so he, he wanted, he was coming from a marketing background. And he's an amazing person, uh, but he really needed to educate himself about the world of enablement. So that created an opportunity for us 
to kind of leverage our deep expertise, uh, you know, seismic's deep, deep expertise in the enablement world. And so it was both a, hey, we're offering, you know, a, a product and, you know, a product or a suite of products to you. But, you know, a, 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 when you centralize a function like that at a really, really large company, there's all of this risk that you're trying to mitigate if you're the one, if you're the one trying to, uh, you know, have agency and be the one catalyzing it. Always, you know, in the back of my mind, in the back of my boss's mind and my team's mind, it was how do we, how do we mitigate the risk of change, you know, just as much as, you know, telling them about our product's amazing capabilities. And that, that I think throughout, throughout the sales cycle really carried the day and, and made turn, turn that person, that deputy into just the most amazing champion and, and created, you know, uh, created a, 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 a level of comfort with this new head of enablement that um, was really like, I, you know, we, we knew it was going to be very hard to kind of get over that hurdle of comfort. So it was always, always a key thing of leverage our expertise, leverage our network of, of uh, expertise, even outside the company to make sure that enablement is happening well in this kind of new era of enablement at, uh, at this company. Wow. So the de-risk, I, I heard the huge item there was the, the de-risk, um, which is, is so big in, in enterprise sales and, and demonstrating your expertise and credibility of, of how you've all done this before and uh, helping someone who's new to, to share the insights and, and, and have the credibility to, uh, to be a trusted source. Yeah. When you're, I mean, when you're, if you think about it from their perspective, as if you're, if you're in charge of consolidating and developing the strategy and roadmap for enabling sellers, you know, globally at, at a company the size of Cleveland, I mean, uh, you like risk is, is a, is a heavy, if not the, the biggest factor in every decision that you make. You know that that classic line about you know if the if the rocket is off just just by one degree, you know it, it's uh, going to be way off. Catastrophic. Yeah, exactly. So, you know the the that there's that um, uh, now I forget who who created the phrase, but uh, that that phrase not just the fear of missing out, but it's actually the fear of messing up. Fear of messing up. I think it was yeah. the um, the jolt effect. The jolt um, effect. That's right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, we'll link that up. Really like. A great concept, um, and actually, in the larger the deal is, and the more senior the executives you're selling to, um, that that emotion drives uh, everything. Like that's the first lens in which they view things. Wow, that is really interesting. So you've de-risked the deal. Um, you know, I'd love to hear about competition, um, if if and how they were involved, and then you know this this sounds really smooth. So I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure there were some bumps in the road or some things may, might have gotten off, off the rails. So competition and challenges, we would love to hear uh, if and how those yeah. played in, played a role. Yeah. So there was, uh, there, there's a, there's a large amount of luck to any of, any of these deals. From the competition side, that was, we got really lucky. In terms of bumps in the road, that, that was just kind of, that was, that was probably, you know, the smoothest part of, of that, of that whole deal that for, for, Really large, you know, eight-figure deals, especially with companies at uh, at seismic size at that time, it was you know a, a few hundred people, and so the 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 biggest challenges end up becoming both internally at your own company, you know, strangely enough, but also the 
the enablement that has to happen from a from from a buyer enablement standpoint that you have to do consistently viewing the the chessboard and, and getting ahead of every move with with your with your buying team. And so I'll, I'll speak from a from an external standpoint. The at this company, the head of enablement, um, you know, the the biggest hurdle that we had to overcome there, there was a couple of them. Um, one was uh, they they sold like I uh, the, this company actually sold a a you know a couple of pieces of technology that you know could you could you could put lipstick on a pig and call it you know very similar to what Seismic sold. So they sold that commercially in their business. So you had to overcome people saying why are we not using our own thing? And there was a whole process that we had to go through of uh, checklists of capabilities and what the business needs and what sellers in particular need, et cetera, et cetera, that we had to overcome. And that was mostly driven by our champions in, in, in the centralized enablement org and, you know, through our, our advice, but uh, they, were, they did a great job at that. The, the, the next hurdle that, that they had to overcome was they were going to make this big business case enabling sellers based on revenue lift. And, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, they were going to make it on cost takeout, that, that they were going to consolidate hundreds of different disparate places to get enablement. And they were, you know, going to, you know, like make their headcount more efficient, et cetera, et cetera. When they went to the, the executive team, the executive team basically rejected that because they had, they, you know, a lot of the executives had their own enablement people that hadn't been centralized and they were fearful for their jobs and et cetera, et cetera. Didn't want to lose their, their fiefdom. And you, you always have to, you know, calculate that. The deal kind of died for a little while once that, that came back. And, and basically there was a couple of, of senior executives that, that went to this head enablement and said, we'd be willing to consider this if, if the business case was made on revenue lift. That kicked off a whole other exercise that, that had to happen to be able to credibly put together a, a, you know, a, revenue, a revenue list business case. But uh, again, even then, you're, uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm asking you to buy something and I'm saying you're going to be selling more, usually that, that quota is then going to fall to the sales organization. So the head of sales had to get on board with essentially signing up for, for more quota because that's what the business case was being made on. Uh, so that was a whole other set of convincing that had to get done. And so externally, you know, th- there, there's a, probably a hundred other bumps in the road that I could talk about, but those were the, those were the two, those were the two of the three biggest, the third biggest, uh, the, the third biggest was the fact that this was a major cloud provider. Our, our technology did not run on their cloud. And so uh, we, our infrastructure was not built to run on, on, Anybody else's cloud except for the one, the cloud that we were running on. Uh, if you know anything about you know cloud technology, so yeah, and so that then turned back inward, and we had to do a very intense, lengthy, convincing job uh, to our technology organization internally at Seismic that if if we were going to make this deal happen, they were going to have to sign up to build out the infrastructure to run. On on this company's cloud, and wow. that is not a, that is not a small ask. Internal sale, wow! You're you're doing all sorts of business cases, internal selling, external selling, wow. You know, I, I luckily uh, our our CTO at the time was one of the co-founders, and he you know he understood you know he understood that that 
the his equity was gonna was gonna balloon if the deal happened, even if he was signing up for a, a long task of, of running on on this company's cloud. And and luckily, the Seismic was already thinking about running multi cloud, and so this this you know essentially paid for the acceleration for the, for that. Evan, do you know was there a was there a six or seven figure deal that a sales rep indirectly at at one of these cloud providers uh, won due to uh, <laughs> due to this deal? Do you know? There, there, are, there was it came, it came it came down the road, but I'm I'm sure okay. I made I'm sure Seismic made some some rep at that at that company's year. <laughs> we'll have to chase down that that person so, here the next part of the story, and it'll, it will be a cycle of how did that deal start? That will be a good one. It's a great thought. I'd love to hear it. Awesome. Okay, uh, and so yeah, let's let's do the uh, the crescendo or the the close. How did the deal get closed? Well, um, ultimately, there there was a kind of chorus of de-risking voices that we had to assemble, both internally, uh, you know, at Seismic, but but external, you know, investors and customers. Luckily, Seismic had done a, a very large deployment at another another really large technology company that the company that we were selling to kind of views as a similar type of company, not, not directly competitive. Their story was really powerful. Ultimately, as, as you kind of, again, you're working with the, with the main team of champions there as we were in the enablement yeah. function, but at the same time, um, all throughout the deal cycle, we were head of enablement had essentially given us a hunting license to, to speak with, um, any any and all folks that that were relevant at at their you know dozen you know over a dozen business units at this company use this head of enablement's name which carried some cachet that uh, this was kind of a, a a tacitly blessed project and so that allowed us you know that allowed us to do a lot of convincing and create a huge amount of buzz uh, for for seismic within this company. Wow. Because we were speaking to key key people, um, both in enablement, uh, in in kind of you know revenue functions, at at each of these business units, the deal got done because there was an acceleration that happened because of that buzz. The you know the the CMO, if you remember, like the CMO and the CFO got together and kind of said, okay, we needed we need to do enablement well at at our company. The CMO, I think. But we were able to kind of create a buzz that, that was even bubbling up to her, to her. and and it, it started to create pressure on the head of enablement to move forward quickly with the project. So at the same time, we also uncovered that uh, the the partner part of the organization, the cha- you know the the channel the channel team represented a, a pretty large chunk of this company's revenue. They they have this enormous partner ecosystem. That they need to keep happy. They were looking for kind of the the next thing, the next chit to give them, to help them, you know, understand that this company cared about them and that and that they were trying to make their their lives easier. Seismic ended up being a key piece of of uh, that, yep. you know, the announcements That's that they were going to give, um, which the time frame, you know, basically was bumping up against the time to to sign, and so the, that created a another kind of angle of urgency for the deal. And so pressure coming from above, you had pressure coming from the side, you had pressure coming from different business units than the partner organization. And that really carried, you know, that really, I think, convinced the head of sales that, that, this, that I could sign up for more quota. The, the masses, you know, there was, such, there was such a cacophony of need that was being bubbled up. 
Wow. And let's give the people what they want. <laughs> give the people what they want. Wow. There's there's all these narratives and you're you're navigating all of the narratives and consolidating them and focusing them and uh and uh keeping everything um on track. What a what a great story. Um Evan would would love to understand um what is it that makes you unique? Um I don't know. I, I it's it's a trick question because I don't know if I'm doing a lot that's special. I I think I'm trying to emulate some of the great sellers that I know in my life. Okay. And some of the great sellers I've ever worked with. And they are consistently hyper curious. They are very well prepared. They go the extra mile with their teams internally. They they understand that there is a long kind of pr- uh call it, you know, a project to be managed in in these in these large deals. They're the ups uh, like never get too high, never get too low with whatever happens. And that communication, you know, up the food chain is as important as down the food chain and to the sides. At the end of the day, you're doing your best to try to inspire others around a common goal. And, you know, my <laughs> probably, you know, my my superpower might might be something as simple as uh, tolerance for pain, you know, just uh, to being able to c- continue to move forward to the next logical step, even when things might not be going very well. Grit, uh, you know, grit and growth mindset carry the day. Yep. What a great, uh, what a great list of, uh, list of bullets that, uh, are, are helpful for, for success in enterprise selling. So, um, Evan, that, that wraps it up. Is there anyone else, uh, any other top enterprise sellers that, that you'd like to hear on the Deal Stories podcast? You know, there, there's uh, one that, that I think might be an interesting interview for you. His name is Tristan Fine. He, he's also a seller at Seismic. Okay. Very strategic thinker, uh, somebody I respect greatly. Would love to, to hear him. Great. I will we'll, we'll reach out and, and we'll get that scheduled. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Um, is the the best way for folks who might be interested? Would it be LinkedIn? Do you want to send them to Galileo? And anything we want to close out with? Yeah, just hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Evan Kelsey on LinkedIn. That's the best way to get to me. My contact info is there. Great, thanks, Evan. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, uh, thanks to everyone for for listening, and uh, that wraps up the episode. I'm Andrew Capel. Thank you for tuning in to How the Deal Was Done podcast. Don't miss out on more inspiring stories from top sellers. Subscribe now to stay updated and motivated on your journey in sales.